the show and tell now, shall we? Yo, yo, what is good, my beautiful people? I'm Creator K, and welcome to episode 11 of the Show and Tell podcast, a monthly show dropping every first Tuesday of each month, where a special guest and I share stories, music, and art that you should know about because sharing is caring. In this episode, I am joined by YouTube content creator homie, Adrian Souza. Before I clue you in on what this episode is all about, if you are a new listener, this is how Show and Tell goes down. Part one of the show is where we get to dive deep into the mind of our guests and find out what makes them tick and what they've been working on lately. In part two, we have show and tell. The guests and I each bring in one item that we have been digging lately, whether that be an album that has been on repeat, an artist that deserves more eyes and ears, or a story that is worth listening to. We share what it means to us and why you might like it too. So in this episode, Adrian talks about how he's found his place within the YouTube soccer community, why he took the leap to turn his passion project into more than just a side gig, and what he's learned about people's habits on the internet. In part two, I talk about sketch comedy group Good neighbor who played a part in molding my sense of humor as well as a large chunk of the internets while adrian follows a similar way by bringing youtuber nakey jakey to the table and why he is such a brilliant creator with that said let's get it what up welcome to episode 11 of the show and tell podcast i'm your lovely host creator k and joining me on this beautiful wednesday afternoon slash morning because my guest is on the west coast it is adrian souza of rabona tv youtube content creator what up boy Yo, man, what's good? I'm just chilling. Um, I'm kind of sweating a little bit because as I set up my state-of-the-art studio, which is basically just a bunch of blankets hanging from from the walls to kind of, I don't know, it's supposed to, I don't know, soundproofing? That sounds right. Yeah, man. Yeah, other than that, uh, I'm good. I'm, I'm chilling. Just taking a little break to talk to you about some cool shit that you got going and other trivial matters and fun stuff i'm looking forward to it and you're and you're well insulated with all those blankets up i had a similar thing going on but as you know my man outside started firing up the power washer so we had to change locations and i didn't bring my uh my blanket fort with me so i'm actually quite comfortable degrees right now oh nice is it what's the temperature (laughs) like because you're in vancouver correct right well Uh, ish 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 vancouver ish yeah i'm on vancouver island which is extremely confusing but Temperature-wise, it's good. Like sometimes we get up to 30s, but on average, we're probably around like 21 degrees Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. Sorry. Let me. Uh, I'm not even gonna bother. I know there's an equation for it, but I don't. It's know. yeah. <laughs> it's comfortable. Degrees. I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, it's probably it's probably comparable to here in Boston. We're like 70 high 70s. So <laughs> I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's probably clear on there. <laughs> We're both so, just throwing out numbers that neither of us understand. <laughs> this is the this is the important things that need to be established for this episode to continue. These, exactly. This is what the people need to know. <laughs> Let's move on to the good stuff. So you are a content creator on the internet. Um, is there any, like, what when people ask you what you do, is there a, a go-to line that you give them? At the beginning, YouTube was just sort of like a, a side gig. Like, it was by no means my way of making a living so i would always just say that i was a video editor but i also like produce content internet content i never used the term youtuber which i still don't really use but uh, i guess i'm getting to a point now where it doesn't feel like a stretch to say that so yeah i guess just youtuber is a fine all-encompassing sort of term what's the general reaction when you tell people you're a youtuber uh typically people are like the number one thing that people say is like oh how do you make money from that so, oh, <laughs> you know, like, of <laughs> yeah. course, that's of what course. people always have to ask. And then, uh, you know, I have to go through that song and dance. Well, there's ad revenue and, oh, well, how does that work? And it's just like, yeah. So that's typically the first reaction. And then they ask what I do. And since I come from a place where like, it's all hockey, basically, mm. Canada, of course, cliche, it's like all hockey and football and baseball here. When I say that I cover like football or soccer content, 
they're always just like, oh, okay, cool. And that's sort of the end of the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love just hearing because when you, I I guess we live more in an age now where, you know, the term YouTuber as a profession is much more accepted, but you always come across people who just like don't grasp the concept. Maybe it's just an age thing. So why don't you explain a little bit more about, about what you create on YouTube? I cover mostly football. Con- in fact, it's all football content. I don't know what I'm saying. But I started out, I wanted to do timely stuff. I wanted to do uh, funny stuff, you know, like try to cover like, oh, Jesse Lingard did this stupid thing on Instagram lately. So let's cover that and like laugh at it. I wanted to have like a very lighthearted approach to it. Mm-hmm. But then I noticed that what people sort of jived with the most were my videos where I took like a deeper dive into the research aspect. Like the first video that I did that got a decent amount of views was an in-depth player bio on Romelu Lukaku. And people dug how I went so far back. Like I didn't just talk about his professional career where he But like I talked about where he played as a kid or stuff about his family and his upbringing and stuff like that. So that was me sort of synthesizing what I went to school for, which was broadcast journalism. So I sort of have that research background Um, and my passion, which was both, I mean, football, obviously, but also YouTube as well. So I did that. And then that progressed into me covering these sort of like history slash football videos where I look at um, why two clubs hate each other. Like it's called Roots of the Rivalry and, you know, the historical component to it and why the there's a cultural aspect to it, you know, or and I add in tidbits like how AC Milan and Inter Milan were the same club at one point and all these little things that people might not have known just from a typical, oh, Everton and Liverpool hate each other, but did you know that Everton actually played at Anfield before Liverpool did and stuff like that? I think there is definitely a uh, a space for the type of content that you make on YouTube because there's plenty of outlets who are making just kind of like the current affairs and news and prediction videos. And there's definitely a place for that. And if you can make it your own way, you can make your way, if that makes any sense. But I think having more of like, I don't want to call it a, like a history channel, but but kind of just having this source of information where you didn't think you needed to know that or you didn't think you like would be interested in something like that, but you present all of the all of these topics and stories that people aren't really thinking about, but they have these interesting aspects to them where people are like, oh wow, that's actually really cool that I know that now. So I think I think you're doing a good service. That's basically what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say you're doing a good job. So shout out you and uh yeah. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you though. I feel like there's I mean, I think that the timely content, which I also do, is very, very important, both in a, you know, like keeping up to date on things, but also, you know, you got to be relevant as well. Um, But the more evergreen stuff that I like to do, the deeper research stuff, it it's always like my best performing videos, you know, like it's very rare that a timely video will outperform one of my ones that I put a ton of research in, which is really encouraging actually because it goes to show that if I have this passion for something and that shows in the video then it's nice to see that people jive with it in that respect and that's not to say that there's videos that I've done that I'm really passionate about and I really like that haven't really hit either like that does happen to me as well but at least it seems like in general what you put in is what you'll get out which is encouraging yeah for sure so I'm going to throw a couple stats at you um, because I, I, I did some research, as uh, as I hear podcasters do. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing on this whole like <laughs> all this journey. In October of 2018, you had a little under 18,000 subs, but you gained almost 50K 
in a span of a few months and now you're up to 72,000 now, 72, 73,000 subs. Yeah, around there. Okay. And I mean, the reason I bring up these numbers is not to say like, these are the numbers, this is how many people are subscribed to your channel. I'm more focused on the growth. Because, and, and you kind of mentioned how you kind of found your niche and what you wanted to be producing. What do you attribute this growth to and how did you find your niche? Like what was it that made you think this is what I need to be focusing on to gain a lot of attention, views and an audience? So basically, I just started listening to my to the voice inside you that sort of like dictates what you're interested in, like what you would do in your spare time. So I like to consume everything football, but I found myself looking more into the historical background of things. I got really interested in, well, not just where a certain player played when they were younger, but, you know, what kind of school they went to or what kind of players they grew up around or their journey to the top or what their family background was like. You know, there's a lot of players like Luka Modric is a good example who grew up in war-torn Yugoslavia and how that sort of has shaped him into the player he is today. And so I found myself reading these kinds of stories and the stories behind why there's rival clubs. Like, why do these clubs hate each other? It can't just be a local thing. In some cases it is, but in other terms, there's, you know, how the Spanish Civil War has influenced some of the rivalries in Spain or how uh, a Portuguese dictator has seemingly or allegedly affected the rivalries in Portugal and stuff like that. And so I found myself, well, if I'm so interested in this, then there's got to be other people out there that are interested in it too. So why don't I just take this sort of pleasure reading, if you want to call it that, and turn it into research for a video about it that I put out there that has like a concise, well, sometimes I'm not so concise. Sometimes we're hitting the 16 minutes, bro, but <laughs> hey, long, but, long form content. Yeah. And that's where that's the future of YouTube, I think, too. So um, I just figured there's got to be other people that are looking out for that. And um, certainly or sure enough, there was, thankfully. And I got to say another big spike that I had in October of 2018 I think damn that seems like so long ago but I guess it's not really anyway time's crazy dude yeah I know <laughs> time is crazy I uh I did a explainer video on the Cristiano Ronaldo sexual assault allegations that came from that whole mm. football mm -hmm. leaks thing and um I got a big spike from doing that, which I felt really weird about. And I like didn't monetize that video because it felt gross doing that. I just did it strictly as, hey, these are the facts that are that have come out now. No one's innocent or guilty yet, but this is what's going on. And uh, yeah, that definitely gave me a huge spike. And then from there, it just sort of, you know, at a nice upward trend continued to grow, thankfully. Yeah. So in essence, as you were saying, it boils down to just a passion for your art. Yeah, basically, man. I think um, if you just sort of listen to like, sorry, I'm going off topic a little bit here, but if there's something that you really want to do for the rest of your life and you're extremely passionate about it, or if you, sorry, if you don't know what you want to do with your life, if you just focus on the things that are you're passionate about and see if there's a way that you can, you know, monetize that. I don't like saying monetize it because then it sounds like you're in it for the wrong reasons, but I mean, you need money to live. But if there's a way that you can sort of monetize it and make that a career for yourself, then you have to go for it. And that's, uh, I think once you get to a certain point of you've done it for enough time and people, and you have enough respect from people, then, you know, and you follow that path and you listen to that voice of what you're really interested in and passionate about, then it will lead to success eventually. And I, I'm hoping so far, so good, but I'm hoping that that can ring true for me for the rest of the go here. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, I think you're right. I think that's kind of the quote, American dream, even though you're Canadian. 
But yeah. like the American dream is to one, be happy. I think that's the most important thing is being happy. But you know, let's not kid ourselves. Not having to worry about money, not maybe not being rich or affluent or, or whatever word you want to use, not having to worry about money is a big thing. So if you can be happy and make money doing what makes you happy at the same time, I think that's great. So I, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, you know, turning your passion into something that you can make money off of. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. How long did you kind of have the urge to do what you're doing now? And I asked this question because... And I try not to make these conversations all about myself, but I'm relating it back to my personal experience. When I wanted sure. to do show and tell, it took me about a year to get going with it. But that's how I knew that this is what I wanted to be doing was because straight out of college, I wanted to do a clothing brand. And a few friends know this. A few friends know. Yeah. Shout out shout out off color clothing that never got off the ground. That, that passion <laughs> lasted for like, I don't know, two or three months. At, at, at a certain point, the idea kind of hit a wall and my passion for it. It's something I still want to do clothing. For the record, but um, yeah. it's something that kind of just faded away. But with show and tell, it's it kind of lasted for a long time. Did you feel? Did you have a similar experience with with what you're doing now with Rabona TV? Yeah, totally, man. I mean, I um, so straight out of university, I started working at with a company called Watch Mojo, which is a YouTube channel that I'm sure people have heard of. Uh, around when they're at like. 1 million subscribers. And I was like, okay, sick. So I've always been a fan of YouTube. Like I used to watch, uh, you know, comments below since it started basically. And there were some other like football YouTubers and FIFA YouTubers that I was watching. So for me to be working, it felt like I was on the other side now. Like I was working for a YouTuber basically, even though it's more like a video production company than it is a YouTuber. So that ignited my passion in YouTube even more. And I mean, ultimately, it's a big company, the interests of the company have to come first. So they need employees to fill a role. And there is a lot of room for you to grow within that company and start doing like what you want if you apply yourself. But ultimately, you're still part of a team that you don't get the final say on. And that, mm. I sort of had that whole feeling the entire time I was working there. And I really wanted to be able to express myself in the way that I want to, you know, like I want to have creative control over the things that I'm working on and I don't want to, you know, have to get approval from someone else. So eventually I got to a point where I'd been thinking about, okay, I want to be a YouTuber and the only thing that I really know well and the only thing, well, maybe not the only thing, but the main thing that I'm passionate about is football and I would love to work in the world of football. And if that's by synthesizing what I'm good at or went to school with, which was journalism and video editing and stuff like that. With football, then that would be the ultimate dream. But the only way that I can do that is if I take the leap sort of. So I talked to my boss and just told him like, hey, I'm not, you know, like I'm still focused on the company, but are you okay with me starting my own YouTube channel? And bless him, he said like, yes, no problem. And so it was not like I was a competitive company anyways. I was covering strictly football stuff while they're right. like pop culture and everything. And so I started working on it, like doing maybe two videos a week while I was working. So I'd come home after work and work on my videos. And it was a grind, but I loved it because I was able to release things that were just 100% me into this sort of like testing audience, which is basically what you're doing every time you release something and seeing what you know, sort of reading the room and if people like it. And so that got to a point where I was starting to get more and more growth and I was working with you and Jimmy and stuff like that. You know, I was <laughs> every yep. Friday sending mm -hmm. you those MP4s. Previews baby. and predictions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With Adrian from Rabona TV, which sort of became my name. <laughs> so, Take it away, Adrian. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm, mo- I'm not mocking you, Jimmy, if you're listening. That's just that was just what <laughs> you was, said. That was pretty good. That was pretty good, though. Um, so yeah, it got to a point where I was like, not stagnating, but I knew that I was at like if I focused on if I had more time to spend on this, then maybe I could make something of this channel. But I can only do that if like I'm not spending eight to 10, 11 hours or whatever it is at another job working for someone else. So ultimately, my girlfriend and I decided to move out to the West Coast uh, where my family's from and we were living with my parents and um, she was working. Well, I mean, she's an accountant, so pff, she's got one of those jobs. She can work anywhere. But me, I was like focusing on my channel and freelancing and stuff. So yeah, I, uh, I got really off track there. Where, how do I wrap this up? I, I Well, actually, I have, I have a question for you. Before the point of realization or the point where you were like, this is, I need to make this change. I need to focus full time or, you know, I, I need to focus more time on my passion. W- did you have any fears that were holding you back from doing so, say, sooner? Oh, 100%, man. I uh, The main thing that I was tripping over myself, because I think you were asking earlier, like, how long had I been thinking about it? So to right. tell you... To answer that quickly, I'd been thinking about it for years to start my own YouTube channel. But the main thing that was holding me back was I was living in my favorite city in the world in Montreal, but I knew that I needed to focus 100% of my time on my channel for it to be successful just because it's a tough vertical to grow in, like the soccer, football on YouTube in general, and especially as a North American, it's harder because immediately when people hear your accent, they discount you a little bit. So I knew that it would be a big risk So we basically, or I basically, I guess I should say, but my girlfriend, now fiance, was involved too. We decided that the only way we can do this is if we're living rent-free. That's why we moved out to the West Coast to live with my parents. And it was tough to grapple with that sort of idea because it was like, okay, I'm working for this YouTube channel that I've been with since a million subscribers that was at, I think, like 15 or 16 million. And it was, the company was growing massively. When I started there, I think there were six full-time employees So I was like the seventh or eighth or ninth or something like that. They hired a few people at the same time. And am I going to just like walk away from this successful YouTube channel or company, I should say, that I'm working for? Well, it is a YouTube channel, too. So that's not exactly wrong. (laughs) Um, And like give up this life in Montreal that I loved living in an area of Montreal called the Plateau, if anyone's familiar with it. It's like the most amazing area in Montreal um, with like tons of food, great nightlife, everything. Am I really going to give that up and move back in with my parents? You know, like it just was right. a really tough thing to grapple with for a while. But ultimately, the, you know, high risk, high reward, if it did pull off, if I was able to sort of like create a job for myself as a YouTuber where I could work on my own schedule and I can do the things that I'm interested in and I can travel and see football matches, etc., then what's a couple of years of living in a boring town, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think one of the biggest, I think basically you're just describing comfort. Like you didn't want to sacrifice comfort. If I may just speak for you, is that, does that sound right? Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite quotes, I'm, and I'm proud that this is one of my favorite quotes. It's from an over under video from pitchfork. I don't know if you're familiar with those where they, um, interview musical artists, uh, whether things are overrated or underrated. Have you seen any? Oh yeah. Yeah. Have you seen, have you seen the riffraff one? No, I haven't. Okay, so the Riff Raff one is probably my favorite one just because there's a lot of amazing sound bites because it's Riff Raff. I mean, who are we kidding? Riff Raff is yeah. 
neon icon i mean shout out he's he's the future of america or whatever um (laughs) one of the things he said is uh life is not made to be comfortable and that just resonates with me so so hard i don't remember the exact context like the full answer was kind of like strange but the fact that he said like life's not made to be comfortable if you want to succeed you you don't you can't just be comfortable you have to kind of struggle and you hear about all those stories you know with people sleeping on couches like so to hear from someone like you who's who you know you're actually making headway and you're actually kind of you know putting in the effort is is a real good thing and i'm really glad that you're here to share that because inspiration you know (laughs) (laughs) and i uh i gotta say i'm happy that it's as much as I'd like to say that it's, you know, it's been great. Like every time you get some growth, you feel good. It feels mm-hmm. great. But there's still like, there's days where you're sitting there thinking, am I going to be irrelevant in a week or two? Are people just going to suddenly not enjoy my content and I'm going to stop growing and my channel's just going to plummet? Um, and it's the same with anyone who's sort of like a, trying to make a living out of the creative industry, you know, where you're sort of at the mercy of the approval of an audience. It's a major head game that's really not easy on some days. So you have to make sure that you have a good support system and you go out for a walk and you, uh, you know, just get some perspective and realize, well, hang on, people are digging my stuff. I'm digging doing it. That's what really matters. Yeah, exactly. So I want to talk a little bit more about I guess focusing specifically on the YouTube community, but in a larger picture, just kind of new media consumers in general, just the way that like humans operate. Is, is there any, like what have you picked up on now that you have a channel and, and, a, and a base of fans, otherwise known as a fan base, <laughs> now that you have a fan base of people who consume your content, interact with you, is there, like what have you learned about humans is basically what I wanna ask. What have you learned about human nature human communication what have you learned through your travels that no one ever reads or listens to everything before they react to it oh my god dude no you're so right (laughs) that's the main thing that i've learned i find myself sometimes in the comment section having to like re-explain things that i already said in the video to people because they just they see a title or they see a thumbnail and they draw their own conclusion and then that's what they comment and it's just like dude if you'd listened i we wouldn't need to like you wouldn't feel this way you would have seen that we're on the same page there's so there's that and then there's also i mean there's unfortunately like the things that i've noticed that have been the biggest spikes on my channel have been somewhat drama related which i don't think Mm. is any surprise to anybody at this point because i mean people love drama and just negativity in general i think that's a pretty obvious sentiment because it's true in media in general but with every video i publish it's like another study on the subject or more evidence you know and i know for a fact if there's sort of a negative angle to a title or a positive angle the negative one is the one that will get the click. So as a creator, that can be a problem because it feels like you're always being negative about things in the title or on your thumbnails. But you balance that with the other aspect of, well, should I take the moral high ground and the views will suffer or just throw in a few negatives once in a while so that your subs will click on it? You know, like you have to balance ensuring that your business, for lack of a better word, continues to grow. But this like obsession with drama and um, sort of, negative headlines of people is uh is a tough thing that i think a lot of creators have to grapple with and that's why you see these sort of tabloids that have sold their souls to just like the drama section of things and because it gets the clicks yeah definitely i think people i think people are 
our what's the word I want to use here? Shy was the first word that came to mind because it's speaking specifically on the negative aspect, like people latching on to negativity on the internet or drama was mm-hmm. a, is a better word. I think people are just scared or shy. I, on the yeah, obviously you can hide behind your screen like that is a almost a cliche at this point people like hide yeah. behind their screens but also i think people are afraid of confrontation in real life not everybody but like there's a there's a decent amount of people or personality types who are afraid of confrontation i, I would kind of classify myself as that mostly because i'm all about peace and love but um <laughs> you know people are they try to steer away from that but it's so easy to again hide behind your screen and latch onto that on the internet so I, I think that maybe is my half-ass answer at why people are so into that kind of stuff. I think you're right, though, man, because especially in my... I think it's sometimes if we're talking about like the people who are negative in the comments in general, I think often they're just people that want some sort of interaction because they'll say these things... Or reaction from yeah. someone. They're just like begging for it because, you know, sometimes I'll respond to these con- these comments that are just like a mindless insult. And just from that response, the person who left that comment will be like, sorry, man, I was just joking around. I actually love your shit, blah, 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 you know? So I think that it's a lot of people that just like... Yeah, need some interaction just, just why i did what what are they learning in their lives where that that is like some i just don't get that why why are you leaving the net i <laughs> like it's a question it's it's for nothing like i shouldn't even i'm not i'm not stressed over it even though it probably sounds okay i i get a little stressed over that to be honest i <laughs> people like just why why are you leaving the negative comments if that's if you're just trying to get a rise out of people it doesn't make any sense to me I'm, I'm I'm flustered over here. It's not just because my room is boiling hot right now. <laughs> I uh, I agree with you though, but I mean, let's be fair and highlight the positive side of things. Like I've mm, yeah, you're right. I've been lucky in that there's a nice little community that's sort of built up around my channel where I have guys commenting on every video, guys hitting me up on Twitter. There's this uh, there's this dude that I've been talking to recently who's another like Benfica fan that lives in Lisbon, and we just like shoot the shit every once in a while. Like I've gotten some great interactions with some of the subscribers and even people on Twitter because I've started to actually tweet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> in the last like six months, I've had some great interactions that like really can turn your day around. And really, every once in a while, just having a comment of someone saying like, hey, man, I really appreciate the work that you put in can mean so much to somebody, you know. So I really do appreciate all the positive sides of it, too. And I think that they do ultimately outweigh the negatives. Do you have any advice to give to people who are self-starters or are in the beginning stages of trying to pursue something where they are the sole proprietor or they are the only person working on it. The thing that I've probably driven into the ground already is the the passion aspect. So we can sort of skip that. But if anyone out there finds themselves like, I have such a niche interest, none of my friends are really into it. Because to be honest, my closest friends, well, besides maybe one or two of them, but all of my closest friends, none none of them follow football or soccer, sorry. Um, So this for me was sort of a way to speak to a bunch of people who have the same interest as me. So if you have that niche interest, you can bet that there's others out there that are looking for that kind of content and have that same interest as you. So maybe you could be the wave starter. There's got to be a better word for that. Wave maker. There we go. Maybe you could be the wave maker. I'll be honest, both of those are pretty bad, but yeah <laughs> they're both really no, bad I, no i know exactly what you're saying though i don't think i have a better word though i shouldn't i shouldn't be critical i don't think i have a better word um brock hampton 
that's the word because they met on a forum and then they made they became friends and right boom there you go (laughs) (laughs) you could be the the brockhampton ring leader man um and the other thing i would say is just patience man you have to adapt to like i said earlier treat each release or upload or whatever it is like something that you're submitting to being peer-reviewed because that's basically what it is and if you score high enough and people dig it then good things will come eventually but you need to have that patience through the really low times where it feels like no one's listening to you to the really the highs where it feels like you're on top of the world and you're growing at a rapid length because everything is going to be peaks and valleys no matter what you're working on so you just have to be patient and push through and keep that passion and i feel like it will come eventually at least i'm hoping i mean it feels weird giving advice because i'm a dude with seventy thousand subscribers but hey <laughs> hey dude i mean i knew you when you had not that amount i don't know how many you had when i met you but you definitely didn't have... I mean, you've grown a lot. I have 130 followers on SoundCloud. <laughs> but that's not nothing, you know? No, I know. I know. I've just... No, I'm not. I tried making a joke because that's how I cope with it. Because I want to <laughs> grow more. No, I'm, I'm just... I don't know. I shouldn't have said that. But yeah, no, I was just making a terrible, terrible joke. Self-deprecation, right? You got to learn to yeah, laugh at course. yourself. <laughs> my, my main thing that I... Because somebody came to me for some advice because they started up a podcast. Shout out Cheyenne. He'll he'll be on at some point. I know he's listening, so this is a shout out that actually means something because I feel like when I shout out people sometimes, I know they're not listening, but I just, <laughs> like I say, shout out. But I, I know that he'll be listening. Um, he came to me some, for some advice, and I would give this to anybody. I'm just using him as an example. But my thing was just do what you can well now. You know, if you're trying to grow, rather than kind of jumping to do every little thing or every big thing that you want to do, you might not be able to do it well all at once so just like build on what you're doing yeah exactly i think that that actually nails it man what was that do what you can now well do what you can well now i think ah, if i'm being okay, gotcha grammatically or syntactically correct syntactically correct uh words dude um i think that's what it is so i would say quote me on it but Maybe get the grammar right before you quote me on it. <laughs> Maybe just air quote me on it. Yeah, air quote me on it. I think that's a perfect place to wrap up part one. We will be back in part two for some show and tell. Welcome back to the show and tell podcast. This is part two, which is show. <laughs> I blanked. I was, I blanked. I was trying to think of a fun word and I couldn't think of it. This is this is the show and tell podcast. Welcome back. This is part two, which is called show and tell. I think I might just keep that because it's funny. I don't know. Was it funny? Let me know. Hell yeah. Uh, let show and tell one at gmail.com if that part was funny. This is part two where the guest brings in an item of significance virtually, not physically. Unless you're George Peshkov, then you bring in an item physically. He brought in that Russian beverage, which was tasty. And I bring in an item as well. So would you like to go first, Adrian, or would you like me to go first? You know, I'll let the host go first. Okay. I am bringing to the proverbial show-and-tell table a sketch group, a comedy sketch group, slash YouTube channel, slash like the individual comedians themselves and they go by good neighbor and as far as i know you're familiar with good neighbor right i am a little bit familiar a few friends of mine in montreal are really into those guys i they're really big in montreal i heard i heard that mm. i'm i'm just i have no idea i'm just, I'm just joking. <laughs> you'd like to keep your ear to the ground yeah in i got What's i have hot? my my contacts in montreal <laughs> <laughs> um so good neighbor is a sketch group that i guess 
no longer exists because they the guys have moved on to to bigger things. The three of them who make up Good Neighbor are Beck Bennett, Kyle Mooney, and Nick Rutherford. And you might have heard those two of those names at least before if you are a fan of SNL because Beck Bennett and Kyle Mooney are now regular cast members. And when I found out that they were on SNL, I think they started writing for them before they were featured as, as actors. Hmm. That warmed my heart because Good Neighbor is one of my, it's just so, I hold it so near and dear to me because it has inspired my sense of humor, I feel like. It's one of the big driving factors in where I get my sense of humor from. And if you think I'm not funny, then I don't know, maybe you just turn this off now because you won't find Good Neighbor funny. <laughs> but um, they also, I feel like, and I think we, it's it'll be something interesting to talk about. I feel like they inspired a form of internet comedy um, that we consume now that people might be a little bit more familiar with. But just a little background on them. They haven't uploaded in eight years, so that's why I believe they're kind of just defunct at this point. But it was their nice jumping off point to move on to movies and SNL and all that all that good stuff. They were established on YouTube in 2007. Um, a couple of their first videos were a little confusing. They, they had some humor in there, but as they kind of grew on, I think their first video that really kicked them off was called Goodbye Son. I don't even know if it's worth me trying to describe the sketch because I feel like I'll butcher it and then it just won't be funny anymore. But yeah. their whole channel just kind of consisted of very, very short sketches and Kyle Mooney specifically doing interviews that I think people will actually really be familiar with because how do I, how do I, those are the videos you're familiar with, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm familiar with those Kyle videos because it's, uh, like you said, I feel like his style in those videos, that sort of awkward, bumbling, sort of <laughs> off the wall-ish type of style in that, like you said, has really influenced humor now. It was almost like cringe before cringe became like r slash cringe type thing, you know? Right. Yeah. And I think the primary example in, in my world of content that I consume is Evan Breen, the Viner slash comedian, internet comedian now. Is he the guy that there's this Vine where he's like... Do you ever wake up? Yeah. You're just like, <laughs> like what, what the, the fuck? fuck is going on? Yes, that's, <laughs> yeah, that is Evan Breen. Because I, I feel like in his Vine videos specifically, he has that same style where he's kind of stumbling over his words and yeah. being incredibly awkward. But it's it's deliberate. I think it's like incredibly intelligent um, because not only me, but a wide range of people just kind of understand it. I don't know what it is exactly. I don't know why. Like the editing plays a big part in it as well. You know, and I think Nick Coletti and, and Getter with the Saw Dude content. <laughs> they were featured on a bunch of other channels. Like, did you ever watch any of Kasim G's videos? The YouTuber Kasim G? Oh, yes. yes, man. Did you? So he used to do a video series called Ask Kasim where he would just respond to YouTube mm -hmm. comments. Those guys would pop up there from time to time. So there was that nice little click of YouTubers who I think kind of dominated the YouTube comedy scene in between like 20, uh, 2009, 2009 and tw 20, I don't know, 2013, 2012. Beck Bennett and Nick Rutherford. So Nick Rutherford is the third one. And I, and I don't mean to make it sound like he's like irrelevant compared to the other two. So him and Beck would do this video series called Theater of Life where they would sit out on Venice Beach and the cameraman would kind of record. I, I've never been to Venice Beach, but from what I see in these videos and from what I hear, there's just a lot of characters that walk around. So they kind of like commentate mm -hmm. as if they are the characters walking on screen, just these random people. Um, and it's it's very funny. And I think it's awesome that it still holds up because there's a lot of things that I used to find funny in 2009, 2010 when I was in high school. 
that are just not funny at all and it's kind of sad but these videos still hold up for me and that's why that's basically why i'm sharing it because i think people still if they haven't heard about it now or if they are familiar with beck or kyle mooney on snl you know some of the sketches on snl were brought over from their youtube channel like kyle and beck would do this series called inside socal which i think kind of was the base for characters that trevor wallace does who is a current youtuber who does the zoomies employee oh yeah, so yeah. i don't know if you, you know the zoomies employee i think that kind of humor came from that whether you know trevor wallace watched that video and was like oh, okay i see what i want to do what I, I just think there was like kind of they were ahead of their time is basically what i'm trying to say but they had this video called inside socal and they would kind of just comment on like the life of what was happening in socal but it was incredibly chill and mundane like it's just kind of making fun <laughs> of the surfer douchey characters in socal um, and again, I, this might not be funny to you at all, because I might be butchering this, but you should just go check out the YouTube channel. It's Good Neighbor Stuff, and they have another... Uh, it, there's Good Neighbor Stuff, and then there's the channel just called Kyle, all lowercase, just Kyle, where you can find a lot of his interviews. I remember the Kyle segments. The first one I th saw, I think, was he was at like this music exhibition. Was it the type? guitars one? Yeah, the guitar one. That's the first one I saw. Which I was like, whoa, this guy is hilarious. But then um, another one that really hit it home, pun intended, was the uh, the baseball one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Swinging Where for the, the fences. The, the dude on the San Francisco Giants, like, was really mean. Yeah. His response was really mean. He didn't, he obviously wasn't in on the joke. No. And he was kind of an asshole about it. That was funny. It, it's, it's amazing to see how people react. And I think... I was thinking about that today. So William Crooks, who was on episode four, mm -hmm. he talked about Longmont Potion Castle, who was like a prank phone, prank caller. What he really enjoyed about the videos is how incredibly talented Longmont was at getting people to not hang up, like keeping them. They didn't like know that they weren't, they were never in on the joke. And I think that's something that Kyle was really good at. They were true. They truly thought this was like this awkward yeah. guy who was trying to interview them who may, you know, have just had a lot of things going on in his head. Which sort of speaks to his ability as a performer too right like he's able yeah. to just like go and straight up improvise these things and stay so in character to the point where there's like consistency in the words that he messes up and the ones that he doesn't and his speech pattern and he's just like you know throwing himself to the lions a bit and holding it together to the point where like you said people don't know if he's actually like this like they believe that he's like this and it's just it's so impressive to see. And I think what really accentuates that is the quality of the video too, because even though it's mid 2000s, 2010-ish, the quality looks like it's from the 90s. Like they shoot four, four by three mm. aspect ratio, so it's more square and the quality of the, the audio that's being used, like in the, in the underbed music and the graphics they flash up on screen, like the transitions between interviews I don't know if you noticed that. They just pull, pull up like the most random clip art pictures that almost don't yeah. make sense with the topic at all. I think that's genius. Yeah. I think just, but I also just feel like they, maybe they didn't even have a formula. They were just like, that's, that makes us laugh. You know, it's like you said, like maybe they were trying to figure out what was funny, but they didn't think anyone was going to find it funny, but they just went out and did it anyways. And they found that there is a community. There's a community for everything. I mean, it, it speaks to what you were saying for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I I mean, part of that community, I think, was who was also a big influence on um, the guy who I'm going to be speaking about was probably like Tim and Eric and Dr. Steve Brule and stuff like that. Like it's all very much in that sort of vein, I think, which is sort of becoming one of the more popular 
kinds of humor, despite at the time it was considered just bizarre. Right. Yeah. So I don't think I really have too much else to say about that specifically because it's kind of, again, it's kind of hard to talk about a visual thing on a podcast. But if you want to check it out again, just, just type in Good Neighbor on YouTube and you'll find it. So let's move on to your item, which, as you said, is pretty similar to what I was just talking about. No, it is. Yeah. In a sense that it's uh, it's another YouTuber. <laughs> so uh, so original, right? The YouTube guest talks about a YouTuber. But uh, I wanted to talk about a guy named Nakey Jakey. Now, I can't speak as in-depth as you did about uh, Good Neighbor and everything. It's Good Neighbor, right? Yeah. Good Neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. God. For a second, I was like, wait, that's not the name. You weren't listening um, to me at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. But I just had that weird moment where it's like, you know, when you just doubt yourself on something like, have you ever written your name and then you're like, did I put the K the right way? Does the K go the other way? Does that ever happen to you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was one of yeah. those moments where you're like, I know this is right, but why am I second guessing myself? Anyways. <laughs> no, I, I feel you. I, I My brain turns off at least 10 times a day. Thankfully, not when anything important is happening. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank God. It's, uh, it's timely. So, yeah, I don't know as much information about this guy's uh, his come up and everything like that. But this it's a YouTuber named Nakey Jakey, who for the most part, I think he started out doing these video game rap reviews because it turns out that he's also like, he makes beats and he's worked on a music career and he has music on Spotify and stuff that actually has like millions of plays. Um, so he was synthesizing his two passions, video games and music. And he made these like original raps to review like, Call of Duty Modern Warfare and stuff like that. And that's where he really made a name for himself for, you know, mixing the comedy and the rapping and the video games together. And that was really popular. And then he started doing these videos on games that should bang. So like <laughs> getting two video games to have a baby basically and like what that would look like and how good it would be and stuff like that. The place where he really started to take off, and I think for everyone really, is he started to do, I guess you'd call them like like uh, video essays, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. His videos are pretty educational in a sense, but they're masqueraded as these nostalgic, bizarre, comedic sort of reaction videos, but I guess technically like commentary videos. So, for example, he did one um, branching out of video games. He did one on... Uh, illegally downloading music and like what Napster mm, did. That's the first you know? one I watched from him. Yeah. I think yeah, that's yeah. probably so, it's got to be one of his most popular ones cuz I think that popped up first. Yeah, I think so too, man. And it I mean it makes sense. And it's also one of his more recent ones. He's another one of those YouTubers that uploads like once a month type of thing, you know? Using that video as an example, there's actually like a decent amount of information about, you know, when Napster came into the world and what it did to the music industry, what P2P file sharing is. Like he gives you enough information that you could give someone the Spark Notes <laughs> version of right. what Napster did to the music industry, you know? Um, so he's sort of like, as you can tell, I like explainer slash history slash learning videos. So I really dig that. But then his delivery of it is what takes it over the top for me. Same with like his video on video game cheats, you know? For example, he'll talk about how they were used back in the day and the purpose they held and the moves through to now and the different kinds of video game cheats and if they're even relevant now. But at the ending of this video, he has like an almost 
8-bit version of A Whole New World from Aladdin playing. I think it's from the Aladdin Game Boy game. And Jakey's just hitting it out of the park with this closer about video games and an almost emotional, for some reason, explanation of why they were important and how they like shaped his childhood or his experience as a child. And it's just so impressive to me because that's where I find he's at his best is... It's like they start out as silly and lighthearted, but there's always or often there's this emotional core to them. And that's where Nakey Jakey really shines. There's a moral to the story. Yeah, exactly. So and to speak of his influences, if anyone similar to Good Neighbor likes, you know, Steve Brule or Kyle, I think that those guys really influenced him because he speaks with that sort of like stumbling, stammering, sort of almost drunk sounding kind of speech pattern. You know? Yeah. But yeah, and I think another thing that he does really well is, um, I mean, like Good Neighbor we're trying to do and trying to capture that mid-90s sort of nostalgic feel, Jakey does that as well. He has, I mean, all the music he uses is from like 90s or 80s video games. So it has that sort of like 8-bit sound or like he uses the OST from different video games and stuff like that. And I guess it just like... I don't know if it was your last guest or the one before. You guys were talking about like a loss of innocence, which is what growing up mm-hmm. is. Yeah, the last episode. Yeah, and I think that why this nostalgia stuff works so well, not only for Nakey Jakey, but for anyone that does it, is because it sort of takes you back to that time. Right. You know, it takes you back to that innocent time where summers were not working all week and partying on the weekends. They're waking up and, you know, eating some leftovers for lunch and playing hockey with the neighborhood kids and stuff like that like i know when i watch his videos and i hear these different things it takes me back to sitting on the floor of my family room watching my sister play tomb raider and like shit like that you know so i uh i think that um it's it's nice to find a youtuber who really i can really really identify with not just like oh i dig his sense of humor but all of the uh the nostalgic aspects like all the final fantasy <laughs> music that he uses and stuff like that and he talks about like uh getting your heart broken the first time is feels like the end of the world and he does a really good job of presenting that in a comedic but emotional way and other things other callbacks like dude remember did your school have scholastic book fairs oh holy shit dude wow yeah no i've that's something yeah. i haven't thought about in so long but yeah me neither this recommended video comes up of him like breaking down scholastic book fairs and how there was always like so much spy stuff involved with them and like oh yeah. it's just amazing because when i think of scholastic book fairs i think of those pens with like the fluff balls on the end yeah and, like the worst pens ever practically yeah speaking. the worst pens and posters like of like colorful tropical frogs and stuff like that my mom would only let me buy the books oh god (laughs) yeah no i and i appreciate her for that um but i the video that is basically the same thing for me that i got was uh the disney channel video where he kind of did a, a whole explainer like look back in time to the disney channel and what it used to be with their with all the movies that video was crazy and that's that i think that was the video that like Because I watched the one about Napster first, and I I enjoyed that a lot. But I think the one about the Disney Channel is is the one that has triggered me to use internet speak in a good way, actually, to actually watch a lot more of his videos. So I plan on watching a lot more of his stuff. Yeah, man. And even as like a, uh, I mean, one of your other interests is obviously music, but... 
I don't know how serious his music is. I only listened to one of his tracks once, but as far as like the production and everything, like it's clear that this is a, an extremely multi-talented dude. And uh, yeah, I feel like the only thing that's holding him back from really, really, really blowing him up, which sounds weird because he has like over a million subscribers, I think, but I feel like he could be one of the top YouTubers if he just like posted more regularly, mm. but he's doing it his own way. And I mean, it's working. So those videos take a lot of time. Oh my God. Yeah, for sure. For the record, when you, uh, the, when you sent me who you were going to talk about, when we were going to talk about this, I just saw Jakey first. And I thought you were call I thought you were referring to Jake Paul and calling him Jakey. And I was like, Adrian likes Jake Paul. Are you fucking kidding me? But thankfully, <laughs> I opened up Twitter and your, your previous DM said Nakey Jakey. So I'm thankful for that. <laughs> Can you imagine if I come on here like I, I would have talked about spreading it. the good word? It would have been interesting. It would have been conflicting someone... interests. Like exactly. I would have fought you over it. Yeah, it would have been. Would have uh, made for an interesting discussion. Hey, I mean, maybe we, I would. It would get more listens because of uh, drama. Yeah, there you go, man. You found it. I should have done that. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about from Nakey Jakey before we wrap things up? Uh, I don't think so. I just really like him and I really believe in his style and his sort of attitude towards uh, the content that he's making. Even though he's taking a long time, I'm fine with it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's. I mean, I don't really have anything else to say about him, no. We'll leave it there. So if you want to check out Nakey Jakey stuff, I'll put those links to his uh, his content, as we like to call it, to the show, <laughs> to, to SoundCloud.com slash let's show and tell if you want to learn more about good neighbor and check out their sketch videos those will be in the show notes as well where can people find you and what you do adrian uh so you can find me on youtube if you just search rabona tv um you can also find me on twitter at rabona underscore tv and i would say find me on instagram but i almost never post on instagram but if you want to follow me and maybe get a Nakey Jakey style <laughs> amount of delivery delivery <laughs> every month or so. Oh, I like that, yeah. Um, <laughs> then uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Rabona.tv. I had to switch that one up because someone else had the other one, which is unfortunate. Got you. So yes, please go uh, check out Adrian. Follow him on social media. If you are into soccer content or not, just go check out his stuff anyways, because I told you to. Follow us on social media at Let's Show and Tell. If you want to follow me personally, it's Creator K underscore on Twitter and Creator underscore K on Instagram. Same, same thing with me. Like one of those was taken. Yeah, check out our Spotify playlist. You can email us at Let's Show and Tell one at gmail.com. And as always, thank you so much for coming on to the show adrian it was a pleasure and thanks for having me man this was i think the ongoing meme is that it's a lot of people's first interviews and it was mine too so yeah. thank you for the opportunity popping that cherry i mean <laughs> please laugh at that or else it's gonna be even more awkward <laughs> all right thanks it was, no it was, it was a good joke i uh, i was you couldn't i was silent laughing you know yeah i i could sense it through the through the interwaves <laughs> uh so we'll leave it at that as always sharing is caring peace yeah.